We have an interview with an absolute fucking madman today because you won't believe what he did. COVID, the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, except for the Chinese flu, you can't call it that. That's nope. wrong. Nope. Wrong. Uh, but if you want to call it COVID-19 or COVID or coronavirus, I'll allow it. This madman opened a fucking restaurant during the pandemic. Yeah, truly one of the most insane, and after talking to him, inspiring things that I've heard. Um, we have on the show today uh, an interview with Mr. Roy Backus of Cafe Godot, longtime Buffalo restaurant vet, um, really fucking incredible guy. We have a great conversation with Roy, pretty wide-ranging, uh, everything from like you know his time in the restaurant industry here to him building this restaurant and and trying to operate during covid um just incredible incredible stuff and it was so great we were initially going to have them as part of our regular episode this week but we decided that we had such a great conversation we want to kind of take this and have it be its own thing so here it is yeah it's we we had a chance to, to we we could have cut it off but we thought the conversation we had was going so great and the information that roy was bringing to us was so important for the listeners is that we let it run the full basically hour that it is thanks for All right, and today we welcome to the square an uh, incredibly cool dude, uh, a staple of the Western New York Buffalo restaurant scene, uh, and owner of Cafe Godot, a new restaurant here in, in the Allentown area, Roy Backus. Roy, welcome to the square. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Roy, I'm particularly excited because uh, I hear... That you are not only a first-time restaurant owner, but a first-time restaurant owner opening in the middle of COVID. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I was a I, I first-time restaurant owner. I did um, back when I was uh, 34. I did what lots of Buffalonians did, and I had a I, I I had a freak out. I never freak out at zero birthdays. Like I didn't freak out at 30. I didn't freak out at 40 or 50. But I woke up on my like my 34th birthday. And I was like. Oh my God, I'm never going to leave Buffalo. What's going to happen? I'm never going to get out of town. And I had, I had friends who lived in North Carolina and I moved to North Carolina and I had a, a small snack bar on a golf course for a couple of years. And I learned that uh, working 90 hours a week and having a member of the state legislator who's a legislature in North Carolina, who is a giant, um, he, he, giant lawyer and developer as your landlord. Um, and being a Yankee uh, isn't exactly a good way to do business with somebody. Also, when your money guy partner is employed by your landlord, that's not a good business plan either. Because uh, every time they break something in the lease, they threaten, threaten your buddy's job when you don't get upset about it. Oh, and uh, so I learned some lessons. And then I came back to Buffalo and uh, been 16 years. And I decided I was dumb enough to do it again. And I was dumb enough to do it again in the middle of a pandemic. And I found a partner who was dumb enough to do it with me. So that it's pretty what awesome. fucking madmen you guys are for Psychos. doing this in the middle of the beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, crazy psychopaths. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we we haven't decided like every day at alternate. People come in and it's one of my favorite things. I'm working up front and Kevin's in the back and they're like, you guys are really courageous for opening a pandemic. And I'm like, yeah, we thought we're, we're courageous now because you're here. But 45 minutes ago when we were empty, we were like, man, we are really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we both have master's degrees. We both are literature guys. And, uh, yeah, well, you can tell we're not math guys because we did math and opened in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been okay. You know, it's actually been all right nice. so far. And, uh, a lot of that is because of Buffalo, man. I mean, like, people here are incredible. And they really – if it's local and it's done right, people support it. And, and, and it's – 
again, I, I wish we had a $20,000 a month ad budget, but it's like every time somebody walks out with a sandwich, there's, you know, every day we have 50 social media posts talking about how great our salads or our sandwiches or what we're doing are. And we all try and help each other out in the industry with that kind of stuff as well. And it's, uh, it's awesome to be a part of it. And it's, uh, it's fun to find, it's fun to finally be an owner and uh, have a good stake with my partner. Um, Cause as we both were talking, we, we both talked about doing this for a while and uh, everyone in this business sits around when you're an employee and is like, man, if I own this place, I would. And there's a litany of things. And we finally get to live all that. And it's, and it's pretty awesome. And uh, both of us, I mean, before we were talking politics, but both of us have some, Kevin and I both have some, I guess an ethos. I, I can't, can't, I'm drinking dude incredible. So I can't <laughs> think of like, dude, at least it's an ethos, man. It's not, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, we, we, we have a certain ethos about local, about Buffalo, about trying to be responsible to our neighborhood, about trying to be responsible to the world, about trying to be responsible to our staff. And we get to do things and put them in place. So it's not just what ifs anymore when we're talking to other people, it's like, okay, you can pay people more than minimum wage and, and survive. Mm. You can use goods from local farms and, and, and make things affordable. You can do all this stuff. It's hard, but you can do it. And there's ways to do it, you know? So it's been, that's been a lot of fun of it. And this, the local supports. You mentioned uh, like, you know, be good to like, you know, your location, your neighborhood. Like, so like, how'd you guys choose to be, where you are in Allentown, Kleinhans neighborhood. Like what, 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 what led you to that location in particular? We actually got lucky. Um, and, and, and in some ways it was because of it, as horrible as it is, it was uh, one of those COVID blessings in disguise. Um, Kevin had been working at little club and he was furloughed on and off. I had been working at Buffalo distillery for the last, I was at Pearl street for a ton of years. And then at Buffalo distilling company, for the last three and I got furloughed at the uh, beginning of COVID like first week of April and, and like good relationship furloughed, not bad, let go, but completely understood. Like I ran catering. I helped to run the bar. I helped build the bar and I was doing a little bit of stuff in the back, but it's like that entire end of the business got wiped out. And it's like, I wouldn't have been able to pay me my salary to go ahead and go to work either. So it's mm-hmm. like, I get it. And, um, that location was actually supposed to be uh, taken over by another person who had uh, a cafe, a coffee shop, and in a in a, one of their locations was in a giant corporate mall that will remain nameless. And when all the COVID <laughs> things happened, um, the corporate out of town owners of the mall um, said, "Yeah, it doesn't matter that the state shut you down and you can't do business and malls can't open. Uh, you're re- still responsible for your four thousand dollars a month rent." Oh, and that other person went, um, I can't pay it. Can I get a break? And they said no. And so she had to declare bankruptcy and all the, oh. the space in the agreement she had with our landlord allowed the space to open up. And uh, out of that tragedy, you know, I had heard the space was open. And uh, Bill Mackowitz is our, Bill Mack is our landlord. He's great. He owns the building that Cantina Locos in, owns a couple other properties in Allentown, some residential properties. And uh, he's been a dream of a landlord to work with, man. He just wants people in the space that he's one of those landlords that's like, you know what? I hope you're here for 15 years. I'm not about raising the rent. I was like, we heard what he was asking for the price. And it was like, it seemed like it could be doable. And then we went in and it's like, he's like, yeah, what do you think of that? And I was like, wow, that's real. And then, you know, he asked us for a proposal so he could vet us. And he and his son, Kyle, both liked what we were doing and said, it's yours if you guys want it. And, we talked about leases and I mean, he let us write our own lease. He, he, I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, can we get a provision? If, uh, if the governor shuts us down or if something happens or if COVID's really bad, can we, uh, you know, do we have to pay rent? And he's like, I put it in the lease. It's okay. If it's, you know, if it's three or four months and you can't operate, I'm not going to charge you rent for that. I want you to be back. And I'm like, wow. dude, you are a dream. And, wow. Uh, wow. And, and so that made it really easy to, you know, yeah, we put our necks on the line. Yeah, we took a gamble, but having somebody who was really amenable like that made it a little bit easier for us. Um, we, we had some difficulties. You know, there were some things in the city green code that changed. We were about seven grand over budget on hoods and ovens and a couple things like that because of, uh, you know, the, and, and again, I agree with it. It's like, it's so funny. It's like, I'm not, 
so many people and so many small business owners, and I'm not criticizing other small business owners when I say this, but immediately it's like, I think in a short-sighted way, something happens and they're immediately like, man, the city's trying to screw me because they're implementing the green code. It's like, yeah, buildings are all 11 feet apart. And it's probably pretty good that they don't just start on fire if you don't have proper ventilation. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, let's, maybe that's not a horror. Yeah, it sucks that I had to spend an extra $4,500 that I didn't want to spend. But in the long term, it's nice to know that there aren't going to be 15 homeless families because my oven's malfunctioned and my place burned down right. because I have a proper hood. And so it's like, I'm not. I, Again, there's some things that are stupid. There's some regulatory burdens that can obviously be cleaned up, but a lot of that stuff is for good reason. And, uh, so there were a couple of hurdles, but we pretty much had a pretty good experience at the city. Uh, even though he's not our council member, Joe Golombek is a, a old friend, and he was pretty helpful. A couple other longtime city employees uh, who were in permitting and in licensing did a lot of like physically running around for us to help us get our permits and get us open as soon as we could. So we could start bringing some cash flow in. And uh, it was an overall, it was a pretty great experience. And uh, we got, we lucked out that we got into that space. Um, as far as what made us choose this space, it's actually sort of funny. Um, we've been eyeing that location. Both of us, I, I lived about five blocks. I just bought a house in North Buffalo a year and a half ago, but I was an Allentown guy for 13 and a half years. Allentown. Well, in that border area is like, is it Allentown? Is it Upper Elmwood or Lower Elmwood Village? I I lived off summer between Richmond and Elmwood for thirteen and a half years. Yeah, I, all right, I know where that is. Yeah, that's that's Elmwood Village. Yeah, well, if, you know what? It's it's two one zero, but I was clo- I was a closer walk to uh, Allentown, and I did more shopping at Price Right than I did at the Co-op. So right. I, 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 I don't know. You know, like it, it, like it it, it shows it, clo- it, it shows up on the EVA maps though. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know it's a weird cut, like literally across the street for me. That's that. It's the dividing line for the weirdness of the common council districts. Like, right. I'm Niagara, but somehow Fillmore is now across <laughs> the street for me. And it's like, oh, that's fun. How did Fillmore end up in, uh, in Allentown? But, and, oh, we talked about redistricting on one of our episodes. Oh, dude, it's, it's the whole, that's a, I'd love to come back for that discussion. We'd love, we'd love to have you. We'd love to. It's the stupidest, most like it's in one way, it's the most amazingly silly thing, and the other way, it's like, how can we take something and make it the most anti-democratic thing and put it in so we can rig elections for a decade? And it's like, when does it matter to win the state legislature in the even year when there's a census? That's when you want to control the state ledge. Right. The other eight years, eh? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you know, but uh, the rest of the time I can rig every seat so I never lose again. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah so uh, I, we we both love Allentown. Kevin's a West Sider. Kevin lives down on Hoyt. He's been there for about a little a while now. I think three four years, and uh, we're committed to the neighborhood. We both love it. I, we love, but you know, this is back to that ethos again. Buffalo's. Both of us are believed that. I think if you look at this city and you look at the strengths of this city, you can see it like every 25, like it's so funny. Every right now we're talking about a Buffalo Renaissance or a Buffalo Rebirth. And maybe this one was a little longer, but really Buffalo has a Renaissance and a Rebirth every 25 to 40 years. And that coincides with two or three different waves of immigrants coming into the city, whether it was, you know, Germans originally, British and French way back, and then Germans originally in the 1840s, and then the Irish in the 1850s and 60s, and then Poles in the, and the Italians in the 1880s, and then Puerto Ricans in the turn of the century, the great African-American migrations after the Civil War, and then again for the, to fill factory jobs in World War II, and then, you know, and then Burmese and, and, and East African all over now, and a bunch of, like, you know, we, we were talking about black sheep for bread beforehand, and but we use a really cool halal bakery on Hurdle for our saloon bread and for the thing, the bread we make pita chips out of for all of our dips. And cool. you know, all the Iraqi immigrants and all the uh, Muslim immigrants that are coming into town on the east side of North Buffalo, and in in a lot of ways, that's the last part. We always we see what developers do in the forefront, but the stuff that sets that is. Properties coming back on the tax rolls and people living in neighborhoods that nobody wanted to live in ten or fifteen years. Ago. Well, Roy, Roy, as a, as a uh, a child of an immigrant here, like I'm a first or second generation, I like to think oh, that I I personally am responsible 
for the yeah. Buffalo for this next Buffalo Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, dude, I'll, I'll you. you get the responsibility. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's, we call it the Rioth Renaissance. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's it's my re- this is my Renaissance that I bring you back here. Uh, That's awesome, Roy. I want to ask you though. So you opened during the pandemic. There was a time where you could actually do dine in. Now we're being in the orange zone. The the dine in has been shut down. I have to imagine you guys have been primarily takeout. What's that, what's that been like building a business base for takeout being a new business? Uh, difficult um, in some ways, planned in others. Um, both of us trying to, to phrase this the best. We're on a podcast. I don't have to be super delicate, I guess, but it's like, I'm torn with the whole, you know, orange zone takeout. Some of the stuff is the, 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 it, some of the stuff has seemingly been arbitrary with the way restaurants have been treated, but it's also in a lot of ways common. And I'm going to get a lot of flack from a lot of my other restaurant friends, but I think in a lot of ways, some of it has been common sense simply because, you know, and uh, we plan on it. We're so small. I mean, when we're, when we're all said and done and we get our space actually sorted out, we planned on being, our business model when we set everything up was until spring, April of 2021, when we could have a patio, and then until fall of 2021, when we thought we'd be back indoors. Like we thought that's when that was going to be. And um, we built it to be 90% takeout, and it's turned out it's had to be 100%. We actually stopped doing indoor dining about a week and a half before the orange zone because we, we, we only had two small tables inside but our space is so tight because of store i mean we literally have 700 square feet of space including the kitchen and the bathroom and i think the bathroom might be one of the biggest areas in the place but it's uh um we're tiny and so like we're hoping to get 25 seats on the inside when we're all said and done 22 and it was so tight where i had two small tables that I had three seats at and like people walking into the counter with masks. Kevin and I were both looking around and we were getting a feel that like, well, somebody was waiting to pick up the to-go sandwich. I mean, they were within six feet, but they were getting uncomfortable with people sitting and eating near them. So we were like, dude, we're going to lose more business by, by being open for dining right now. Let's let's. And so for us being that small, it actually didn't really hurt us all that much. And also we got a little bit of a bonus for the weather. I, you know, I've had, we opened November 6th, and I've had 20 patio days since we opened. I mean, not primo patio days, but yeah. for a grab-and-go breakfast lunch spot, it hasn't been that cold that if somebody really wanted to grab a sandwich and have their coffee for 15 minutes, I walked a table out to a table. Uh, Nancy Parisi is a good regular photographer. Yeah. She came in with three of her friends the other day, and they all had jackets on, and she's like, can we have a table outside? And I'm like, hell yeah. And she's like, it was snowing, <laughs> but it was clear, and I walked a table out with four chairs, and they sat for 25 minutes and ate salads and sandwiches and put money in the register. And so not having a crazy winter so far has been beneficial for us. Neither one of us think that's going to last for January and February. So we we plan on being a little leaner, but we, it, it, it it hasn't been awful. Um, the, the, the other thing, big thing that eased the challenge, um, and and please feel free. I I just woke up from a nap. So (laughs) I have a tendency to be a Kevin's, not a talker my partner he always jokes around he's like how come all my friends are talkers can't you people just shut up (laughs) it makes our job a lot easier roy i promise the more you go the less we have to do feel free to cut me off or interrupt me or throw a question (laughs) out there if it hits you but it's uh we got lucky with another thing um i don't know how you guys feel about like uber eats or doordash or grubhub but they are, fu- excuse my language, I hope none of you work for them or own their stock, uh, no. but they are nope. fucking criminals. Oh, they are, yeah. They yeah, Talk, oh, talk they, about they, that, right? Yeah. yeah, they rip you off. I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear this as a perspective of somebody who owns a, a restaurant business. What's going on with that? They mug you. Um, like, literally, like, the fees can be, restaurants operate on a, in ideal textbook. Like, if you go to culinary school, when you take your P&L class and your finance class, the rule is 30, 30, 30, 10. And it's 30% fixed costs, your rent or your mortgage, your utilities, your insurance, all that. 30% labor, 30% cost of goods sold, 10% profit. Realistically, if owners decide they actually want to pay themselves, 
realistically, it ends up being about 32, 32, 32.4. If you're doing well, your average independent restaurant is running on between a three and 6% profit margin. So somebody does a a million dollars in sales, they're making 30 to $60,000 on a million in sales if they're doing well. Um, If they're doing unbelievably well, they're making a hundred grand on a million dollars in sales. People always ask, why don't banks give loans to restaurants? There there is no other business in this country other than hospitality. If you tried to open a hotel and we're like, yeah, we're going to do $2.8 million in revenue. What are your profits going to be? $280,000. You would never get an investor and you wouldn't get a bank to back you in your loan. But in restaurants, that's an acceptable thing. And because of those tight margins, uh, Uber Eats, Grubhub, and the national delivery companies they destroy you. They, the fees end up being 25, 30%. They don't take any responsibility for the food. If there's bad deliveries, if something happens, if the driver throws stuff out the window or eats one of the sandwiches, all that is back on us. There was one local place that uh, the first month of COVID, I, I, I talked to the guy about it. The first month of COVID, they did $35,000 in gross business from doing deliveries at the first month of the shutdown in April, and they paid $18,200 in fees. So that actually cost them money. They were a $35,000 pass-through, and they actually lost money to operate, but they kept doing it because they needed the cash flow to pay them. And and so something happened because of that. It was also one of those unintentional COVID blessings. A couple local guys, uh, Steve Ambrose and Bob Heil, started up a, a business called Appetit, and it's a fully local delivery uh, platform and pickup platform, online ordering. They, they don't have an app yet, but you can access it through their website and bookmark it on your phone. It's super easy to use. From a, from a customer standpoint, their fees are less, their deliveries, not a lot, but I'd say probably 10% less than Uber Eats or Grubhub. But then from a, a, a business standpoint, instead of taking a percentage, they charge me a flat fee every month, and then they they take care of the credit card processing. So I actually save two point seven percent when somebody rings a credit card through them, and they've been a godsend. Um, nice. We we were one of their beta testers, and yeah, I mean it's a beta test on a new thing, and we're the first place. We open at seven in the morning, so like I feel bad because it's like usually like three times a week. Steve gets a text from me at seven oh one that's like something's wrong with the platform. And he's like, yeah, my programmer in the Philippines is doing something and you're the only place open. Sorry, brother. And then by nine o'clock it's fixed, but they, they're amazing and they've done a wonderful job. And I think they're up to like 200 restaurants and uh, they're also delivering booze now too. They have like three wineries and they're able to deliver booze because they're not actually selling it. They're actually just delivering it. So they're able to deliver booze to people. That's great. Um, And so that's been a godsend. Right. What's the name of that website again? Uh, it's Appetit. If you go to orderappetit.com, that's the Buffalo thing. It's A-P-P-E-T-I-T. Okay. We, um, we'll, we'll blast that out. Um, obviously, we're going to blast uh, your restaurant out too, but we'll get that out there uh, to people as well because I did not know about that. I yep. Personally, I don't order through Grubhub or Uber Eats for primarily the reasons you cited that I, do, <laughs> I think in a lot of ways predatory fees and, and hitting local business owners. And, you know, I just want to cut out the middleman. So I just like to order from the restaurant directly. Um, but let's talk about the restaurant, man. Let's talk about the good stuff, the food. Let's hear it. Awesome. Cause I haven't had a chance to make it. I will. I live right very close to your restaurant. I will be there in the very near future now, but please talk. But to- if he's not there in the next week, I'm giving you his address. <laughs> well, he, he can't come this week. Cause we actually, Oh, you're, oh, you're closing. God damn it. But no, no, it's a good thing. We're not, we're, we're closing for one week. Because uh, Kevin and I always said the week after New Year's is like stickers, unless you're like an event. Like when I was at Pearl Street, we had hockey games. It was an event-driven space, so it was cool. 99 out of 100 restaurants, the week after New Year's, everyone's dead because credit card bills start coming from Christmas. Other stuff starts happening. January sort of doldrums. And then the other week, if you're not near where they have fireworks or an orchestra or the beach, July 4th sucks. Mm. So we both always said, man, if I ever own my own, place just to guarantee that i had a week off in the summer and a week off in the winter i'd close the week after new year's and i'd close july 4th week every year we're closed the week after new year's and july 4th 
That's great. Awesome. When are when are you guys opening? Because this is going to drop. This will be um, this upcoming Thursday that this is this episode is going to drop. So when that's are you guys actually perfect? We open the following Tuesday. Hey, awesome. Okay, so that's leading into our closed weekend, but then we reopen on that Tuesday, and that's huge because it's uh, awesome. It'll be big. Awesome. Thank you for asking that. Of course. Um, Roy, talk to us a little bit about about your menu. Um, you know what you mentioned. Obviously, your breakfast place. What kind of food are we talking here? Um, uh, we do breakfast and lunch, and uh, we call it flexitarian. And uh, the reason why is n- neither Kevin and I are, are are vegan or vegetarian, but we both try and eat a little more plant based than we have. Uh, Kevin's wife and uh, mother to his new. It, he's the real courage man. He he has an eight month old baby, and he decided to jump in with me in a bank. I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to have a kid in the the first month of the pandemic and then open a business within the calendar year. That's brave. He's he's either the real insane one or the courageous (laughs) one, but he, uh, we, we, uh, we, we plan sort of plan the menu out together, but it's his execution. And his vision was, he likes to start off and we both have found this and we both have friends who are vegan and relatives who are vegan or vegetarian. You go out to most places and it's like, how do I make that vegetarian? I take something that had meat or meat products on it and then I take everything off and it's like, oh, here's something that was really cool that now has iceberg lettuce, a tomato, an <laughs> olive, and dressing on the side. Right. Here, here's some French fries. Oh, awesome. And so Kevin's whole idea is when we build food out, we want it to taste great if it was only vegetables and then if we start adding cheese or dairy we want that to be an addition and then if we add meat we want that to be an addition but we want everything to be every step along the way we want to be carefully curated so whether it's a salad or a sandwich or a breakfast sandwich uh, we, we want to start everything out that way and so i'd say probably about 30 percent of our menu is vegan 30 percent is vegetarian about 40 percent is uh pet- meat or pescatarian like we cure our own salmon i tell this we have a ton of vegan customers and i always tell all the folks on like western new york vegans plugs us all the time on facebook and i'm always like there's going to be a day when you walk in and you're going to get an amazing vegan sandwich and you might see me in the corner making meatballs like i hope you're okay or like we're going to be cutting salmon and they're like no we get it thank you for catering to us and making sure you're not like we don't cross contaminate we're very careful about that um, so we're doing a, a mix of things like that, and then we're trying to use as many locally sourced goods as we can, and we're trying to do as much as we can. We do a lot of stuff with Rootdown Farms out in Clarence, nice. and then a lot of stuff with Westside Tilt right around the corner from us. And we're trying to – in Buffalo and in our climate, it's impossible, and in the restaurant business in general, simply because of costs and margins, unless you're running a fine dining, Michelin star, or wannabe like a James Beard kind of place – it's almost impossible to say I'm going to do 100% of my menu, local local farms, local meats, local that. It's, it's very difficult to do cost-wise simply because of public perception of what things should cost. I don't care who I am. If I'm a takeout joint or I'm a, a lunch and breakfast joint, I could feed you the best burger in the world. And if I used local beef and I did it, if I gave you a, a burger and I had to charge you $23 for it, I'm not going to live if I'm charging 23 bucks for a burger. It's just, so there's, but maybe I can use a roll that was made locally. Maybe I can use greens that I got from a local farm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can pickle my own onions. And so I do pickled bread. We do pickled breads that we pickle. Kevin makes his own sauerkraut. We make our own dressings. We pickle our own vegetables. We do our own herbs. So like, that's where we try and make up for that stuff where there's, I can't get locally. I mean, I'd love to use Lake Ontario salmon. It'd be great. I mean, I think we're only allowed to eat one every three months. Yeah. So <laughs> right, right, right. And and if you're a pregnant woman or a woman who is of the age where you can get pregnant, your your Man. weekly allowance is zero. Your yeah, allowance you is none. You're like, yeah, so yeah, it's. I mean, I know a couple of women who just like would like to have a hysterectomy, anyways. So, <laughs> maybe that's you know maybe you should get up with a lo- start a local fishing company and be like look no need for a hysterectomy yeah. we're gonna feed you salmon right yeah. Ontario cod it's yeah. amazing right, yeah. right. right. It's, we just bagels and locks and hysterectomies exactly. oh, we'll cure it for you we, Kevin makes the bean grab locks man like, yeah. we, but we, even like the salmon like we buy our salmon from the bigger purveyor but we made sure that it was 
uh, we didn't want to do farm salmon. We wanted line caught. We wanted Atlantic. So we do a line caught Atlantic. Even on those things, like when we, we buy chicken from a big purveyor, but we do their like cruelty-free, hormone-free chicken line for the chicken breasts that we buy. So we're trying to be as responsible as we can, but also, again, part of that being a good neighborhood to the community, I want somebody who's an immigrant in the community who works making 12 or 13 bucks an hour, I want her to be able to come by and afford to get a breakfast sandwich and a coffee. Yeah, right. And yeah. Am I affordable as the market or the bodega down the street? I can't sell you a sandwich and a coffee for six bucks, but you can walk out with a killer gigantic breakfast sandwich and a coffee for nine bucks, and it's going to be great and locally sourced. And Bread from bread from uh, black sheep and coffee from Tipico and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. that's sort of what we're doing, and and we're trying to do as much of that local stuff as we can. Right. What's what's the? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're going to tell me everything on your menu is great, and I believe you. But is there anything where people say, "Man, we go to Cafe Godot and you got to have this"? Like, what's is there anything that uh, you know is like the hook? Like, hey, you got to try this menu item, or is it more of anything you get is going to be you know, the thing you're looking for? Well, we pride ourselves on being able to cater to everybody. And I, I mean, and I really, I think that's why I, I, I've always believed that. Like I love, my, my, one of my favorite things when I was either bartending or serving or even managing, I love when a guest comes in and is like, man, I don't know what anything of this is or I don't like anything on here. What can I eat? And I get to ask them like, when I was back at Pearl Street, I had this group from Montreal that would come in and these four guys and I, I hooked them. They came in once and they were all French Canadian and they were all bitching about the one way streets downtown. And one of the guys is like, why is your city so fucked up? And I'm like, you're French Canadian. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, it's your fault. And he's like, what? And I'm like, like, man, in 1812, Buffalo was a perfect grid and you guys invaded from Canada and burned it down. And then Joseph Ellicott, who d- designed the city after it got burned down, he worked with Pierre Lenfant and they modeled DC and Buffalo off the radial system of Paris so that your French half, that's, it's your fault for the French half and your fault for the Canadian half <laughs> down and gave us radial streets. So that's why we have so many fucking one ways. Oh, am I allowed to drop that bomb? Oh yeah. Oh, we do yeah, it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm like, uh, so it's your fault. And these guys loved it. So they would come in for every Sabres Montreal game. And they'd always, even when I managed, I would have to take a table because they'd come in with groups of 12 and they'd, they'd get menus. And then they'd be like, they'd hand me the menus and they'd be like, Roy, do that thing where you ask us questions and we don't order anything. And you feed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like go around the table and ask people what they, what flavors they like. And I would bring them beers or cocktails with the flavor profiles. They like. And how hungry are you? How healthy are you? What are your dietary restrictions? And then I'd bring them food and they loved it. And so like now owning this place and it being small and curating it, we can do a lot of that on our menu. And, uh, but that being said, uh, breakfast wise, I think our two big things, uh, the, the, our number one selling sandwich is the Pozo. So uh, we, 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 we're both lit guys too. So we're nerds. So, uh, the two of the ancillary characters in, uh, waiting for Godot, the, uh, the uh, Beckett play that we're named after. Oh yeah, we're, uh, we're, me and Jim are both big fans. Ryan can't read, but I, no. okay. But I'm a, but someday. We have a Pozo and a Lucky on our menu. <laughs> so nice. uh, Pozo is the number one selling sandwich, and it's our loaded breakfast sandwich, uh, roasted tomatoes, basically like a roasted tomato confit over baked egg on Ellen's focaccia with a homemade chipotle mayo and uh, house made pickled red onions and some fresh herbs, and it. And it's funny, like you hear that and you're like, oh, that's going to be a delicate sandwich. And it's like, no, it's a four inch by four inch by four inch brick of focaccia <laughs> with eggs and cheese and prosciutto. Yeah. And uh, people love that. And then our grab locks, we do a twist on a bagel with locks. We do a Northern European style locks. So we don't do the smoke. We only do the cure. Takes us about three or four days to cure. Kevin does the cures. We buy the salmons in slab. Uh, and then we do a, uh, we call it the Gravlaxin, sort of like the Gravlaxin, but it's Gravlax on, Gravlax on it. Yep. And it's uh, salmon. Instead of cream cheese, we do a house-made creme fraiche, uh, fresh herbs, pickled reds, and we do it in Iraqi samoon bread instead of on a bagel. And the samoon works because there's a little bit of sesame. They brush it with sesame on the top and they make it. And so that one's a pretty big seller at breakfast. Uh, I think our signature salad is probably the Mamma Mia and it's a play on a Greek salad in the uh, awful ABBA movie set in Greece. Uh, <laughs> we're both sorts that way too. So it's uh, um, 
It's it's actually a vegetarian salad. It can be vegan if you leave the feta off, but it's a big brick of imported sheep's milk feta, uh, mixed local greens that change all the time. Uh, some a little bit of non-local romaine mixed in with those mixed greens. A house-made pickled reds, uh, uh, torn olives, and then we make um, vegan meatballs. We 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 do an impossible meat blend. We call it the Godot blend, and we do it with um, impossible meat and oyster mushrooms. And Kevin makes these like Greek meatballs, and so there it's 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 a Greek meatball, but it's 100% vegan. And we we do like I do a comfort food dish with that. I do a a galumki, which is the Polish cabbage rolls. But I make impossible meat cabbage rolls, so I do it with a mix of rice, mushrooms, the impossible meat, um, salt, pepper, uh, spiced Hungarian paprika, and then we do a tomato sauce, and then our little twist on it. Kevin lived in Korea for five years, and he makes a dynamite homemade gochujang, which is a Korean red pepper paste. So we put that in with the tomato sauce, and then slowly stew it in the cabbage rolls, and we, we run those for Beautiful. a special all the time. Um, so that's that's sort of a feature dish, the, the Mamma Mia salad, and then uh, probably as far as sandwiches go, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss one toward the meat eaters. We do a uh, one called the West Side Polka, and it's a riff. When I was in Buffalo Distilling, I did one called the Polska Cubano, but we don't do a Cuban roll, so we do one called the West Side Polka. It's um, samoon that we uh, sort of press tightly when it's in the oven with a uh, 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 provolone mozzarella blend. Uh, pickled mustard seed, pickled red onions, bread and butter pickles, and Redlinsky smoked polo sausage. Oh, wow. And we put that together, press it together, and it's it's dynamite. It's it like crispy. It's, 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 it's a Polish Cuban, so it's the yeah. left side. R- Ryan's our Polish guy here, yeah. and I got to tell you, right, his pants are getting tight. <laughs> awesome. Man. Uh, dude, wait till, wait, I can't wait till, uh, Till March and Easter season, because like oh, we're gonna yes. go. Oh we're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're going like high. Kevin's a Polish guy too, so like we're going high Polish, but we're also gonna do like we're gonna use the sausage. The, the guys at Redlinski are great. I've had a really good relationship with them. They love uh, doing wholesale stuff, and they'll custom make sausage for us. They let me get the holiday spice all year long. I love the margarine and my my smoked sausage. Yeah. But so we're gonna use a lot of meat stuff with them, but then we're also planning on doing homemade pierogi. We're going to do a vegan pierogi. Kevin makes a, a vegan cheese filling for a pierogi. He, we're pickling kraut right now. We're going to do the vegan gawumki. We'll do a regular gawumki. So we're going to go like old school Polish grandmother, but with local farm and then some of those twists where, you know, you're like, okay, you're going to put Weber's on that. It's like, no, we're going to pickle some mustard seed and put bread and butter on it. Or we're going to, you know, call RJ and find out what he's got pickling or going on at Farrell and Brian and get something from him or, do things like that. And so it's all that, like we want to do that kind of, you know, either high, high, uh, pollutant, like really nice, uh, you know, styled fine dining stuff, but bringing it back in and also putting some of those things on just old school grandma stuff that makes everybody happy, but putting some of those twists on them and some of that comfort food. I think that's a, we're in a fun location to do it and doing breakfast and lunch gives us some flexibility to be playful. And do some of that stuff. So I have to stop down for a Fat Tuesday. Oh, dude, I, that'll be awesome. That's, <laughs> well, definitely. Well, we're we're going to do something really fun for it. We're not yeah. sure. We just started doing pizzas. Uh, we're doing focaccia pizzas. And uh, again, again, this is sort of the fun thing when you have two dorky lit guys, but also we're a pop <laughs> culture guys. So I'm like, Kevin, what do you want to mean the pizzas? And he's like, Yeah, give me a chance. And uh, you know, whatever he had to do to get his uh, brain or body right with uh, whatever substances he ingested, he sends me a text at like four in the morning that just says, uh, my cousin vegan, which was our uh, vegan Italian meatballs, uh, an arugula goop, which is like a pesto without the nuts, a diet of vegan cheese, a tomato sauce on Alan's focaccia, my cousin Vinny, which was the the, uh, Italian cheese blend, our homemade tomato sauce, prosciutto, uh, and uh, tomatoes, and then we also did the my cousin Stanley, and we took the gochu. He's calling it gawumpi jong, so we took the oh. gochu jong tomato sauce, oh. used that as the base, sautéed some Red Linsky's Polish sausage, and sprinkled that over the top, and then used the uh, imported Polish uh, sir salami cheese that we get from the folks in Euro Deli on uh, Genesee Street in the Airport Plaza, and put that on top of it. Uh, with uh, fresh caraway and fresh dill. And so, like, 
again, there's, it's like we get to be playful with all that stuff. So Fat Tuesday is going to probably be a calorie bomb fun <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be good. So you, you mentioned like you mentioned like talking to RJ. You mentioned like Ellen's focaccia. Like you guys have been doing a lot of restaurant collabs. Uh, yeah. That's not something that a lot of restaurants do. So like, how does that come about? And like, you know, how is that working for you guys? Uh, I mean, a lot of it came about with relationships that we both had. Kevin worked for RJ for a while. I was at Steve and Ellen's wedding. Steve, uh, Steve opened Pearl Street with me. Um, we used to get reprimanded for being, he was in the kitchen. We used to get reprimanded for bo- both of us had very booming voices. And I would sometimes wear ex- a work expo. And it's like, man, uh, there were people in the front of the restaurant who can hear you guys. Like, just <laughs> over the top. Like, if you guys have ever seen Steve cook, it's like watching a madman scream. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in a couple of midnight masses. Yeah. And so, like, we get reprimanded. And then my, it's my first shift out after we get told we have to tone it down. And I'm as far away from the kitchen. And I just hear Steve's work in Expo, and I just because we were cursing too much, and I, I hear Steve just mother f son of a b a hole like he's censoring himself but being extra loud because he got yelled at. Such an asshole! I love you. And uh, so we have these long relationships with people, and then some of it is just coming around with other people who are of like mindset. I mean, Steve and Ellen, they walked the walk and they've been doing it and they opened in tough times in a neighborhood on Connecticut where people thought they were nuts and they, they do it right. And they have great farmer relationships and RJ does it right, man. RJ and Lindsay yeah. make everything from scratch and they get dirty and they're not afraid yep. to do the stuff that they R- have to do. RJ and Lindsay, big friends of the pod I actually grew up with them in, in Dunkirk. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Like, it, I, I'm just starting to get, like, I knew them as fellow restaurant people, but because Kevin has They're a good people. with them, I'm just starting to get to know them. And it's like, I always admired them from, like, in the being in the business and seeing what they were doing. And then, like, the casual meetings, they were always really nice. And now, like, because of the relationship Kevin had, like, they come in fairly regularly. We do stop over there. And soon, I think, I think we're going to try and start doing it. We're waiting on a couple coolers. But as soon as we get the cooler space, we're gonna be we're gonna be putting their kombucha on um, because they make. A, if you haven't had their kombucha, the, oh, yeah. the kombucha from those guys is just it's killer. It's yep. great stuff, and and you know they they do a really good job with stuff. And it's like so we try and again, I'd love to say we could do everything like that. You can't, but we try and do as much as whether you know it's whether it's RJ, whether it's Redlitsky, whether it's Steve, whether it's our guys are. Uh, are really cool Iraqi immigrant dudes at Hurdle Bakery who make our saloon and make our uh, right. You know, we. I guess it's pita. Like it's not. It's sort of like a cross between uh, pita and naan. And I always ask the guy. I'm like the guy's father who speaks. I'm like, what do I call this bread? And he's like, Iraqi bread. And I'm like, well, if I went to Iraq and I wouldn't order Iraqi bread. Like, if I'm in like, Paris, I'm not like, ordering French toast. They're going to look at me like I'm an asshole. Yeah, and then it's like, he's like, well, it's okay. Call it pita. And then I go in and I look at the sun. I'm like, man, I need like 40 pita for tomorrow. And he's like, it's not pita. It's Iraqi. Like, Your dad told me I could call it pita, bro. I'm sorry. It's like, I love this. But like, those guys are awesome. So like, we try and, you know, people who are doing good things and doing as much as they can from scratch and fill and people who we also know who it's very important for us. People who walk the walk, who take care of their employees, mm-hmm. who take care of their guests, who are walking the COVID walk and making sure they're masked up and taking it seriously and sanitizing and doing things safe. Like anyone who's doing that, like we're all on the same team. It's not about competition. No one's trying to hurt each other or put each other out. We're all trying to help each other out. There's like we we hope to do some stuff with Brett Hive in the future. They're friends. We hope to do some stuff with other cafes. We want to we want to do pop ups and in, in when we have our patio open, we want to do chef run pop ups where we have different chefs come in and cook on our equipment, or we do a pop up at their space. Um, I I really think that that's the key. Like you know. My enemy isn't those guys. My enemy is Applebee's running two for 20 of yep. bullshit yep. boiled or microwaved yep. in a plastic bag thing. Right. That's so, a, they're my so enemy, too. Of the populace thinks that that's okay. Enemy of everybody's digestive tract. Right. It's, we, did a, we did a worst of episode. I'm going to assume you've never listened to the pod before. So we did a I, wor- I, I need to. I had, I honestly, I was, I'm super happy you invited me. And like, it was so funny when you told me you had a podcast. I was like, of course, Jim came on. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
we've we've done podcasts at two in the morning drinking beer. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah. <laughs> drinking wild turkey at the pink. We've done podcasts. Absolutely. You know, um, the last time I I think I saw you before lockdown was at the place last winter, and it's like yeah. we we tried to say a five minute hello to each other, and the girl I was with and your buddy looked like they wanted to kill us because we ended up having a forty five minute conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's and that was a short one. Yeah, I know, and it's like so. Like, I'm super happy, and I can't wait to like. Do you have an, are all the episodes archived? Like, can I go back? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all they're all online. You might want to skip oh. the election stuff, Roy. It, we go into the weeds, and you know, stuff happens in real time there. That's yeah. not as pressing now, but the other stuff's great. Yeah. But it's, we oh. did so we did a worst of episode, and I you know I I said like the worst restaurant in Buffalo is Chefs, but I I made a disclaimer that the worst actual episode in in Buffalo is like Applebee's. Yeah, like the worst. I don't consider those restaurants in Buffalo. Those are restaurants with some corporate headquarters somewhere that, like, you know, they're the same people in Steinbeck's novels that have bulldozers at Bulldoze Farm. <laughs> yes. Right. Now yes. they own corporate restaurants. Right. Yeah. It's it. So like the worst actual restaurant is a TGI Fridays or an Applebee's. Like, I, like, yeah. but can I ask why chefs? Why chefs? Well, because it's yeah. supposed to be good and it's not. It's just, <laughs> the sauce is watery. <laughs> Here we go. The pasta is definitely from a box, and and the and the meatballs aren't actually that filling or really that good. Last time I went there, the my my last meatball that I had there was frozen on the inside. Look what you did, Roy. You got him started. You got him going. You got you got him going. Oh, it's okay, because I'm 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 very judiciously like. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm not nope, going to nope. argue with. I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm not going to say anything sure. either. Um, but I, it, it, but because I, it's it's funny. I have a very good friend. You, you guys, you guys know Jolita, uh, Buffalo Food Otaku. No, no. He and his girlfriend. They have this. They have this really cool. Uh, Joe's a really fascinating guy. He's a frustrated writer who became a lawyer because his parents, like his dad's a dentist, and like sort of made him be a lawyer. And he's a Joe's guy, but I'm a Kanisha's guy, and like we always got along and we met at uh kdara which is one of my dearest friends oh. uh Infalassi, was the uh chef there oh, and so we met there place. and and joe is a, a, this awesome he's an amazing food writer um and he's over the top but he's a lawyer by day and uh i all i i'm a food guy who w- wishes i could be a, a lawyer but i, I <laughs> kind of I took the LSATs, and one of my regulars at Pearl used to be the guy who was in the head of the ACLU, and I was like, hey, man, I took the LSATs. I scored pretty high. Should I go to law school? And he's like, what kind of law do you want to do? I'm like, constitutional law, stuff like you do, ACLU stuff, maybe some uh, you know, some immigrant work. And he was like, are you a, a trust fund kid or independently wealthy? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you make more money as a bartender than I do doing this, so... I'm like, well, how do you afford to do it? He's like, my grandfather left me a million bucks when he died. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, right. Good to know. Uh, yeah, cool. That ain't me. And he's like, yeah, don't go to law school. You're going to fucking hate it. <laughs> I, but, but but Joe did. And uh, so he, he and I always had this Italian argument because it's like, I like Sinatra's. And I think it's because he's a Niagara Falls guy originally. And... He's a 19th Street Niagara Falls Italian guy, and he has a visceral hatred for Sinatra. <laughs> oh, and it's geez. like, I love Sinatra's Brujol, and I, I, I love Sinatra's. My last experience at Sinatra's, and I can't believe I missed this on the menu for years, but I always order the Brujol when I go there. And I go there with a buddy of mine, and I, I, I'm a hoodie and shorts guy, but now I've, I'm known, I, I've been around in the restaurant business enough where like 10 years ago, there were some people that are like, you can't come in here like that. It's like, dude, I'm friends with the owner. Shut the fuck up. I'm <laughs> but the Sinatra's, they, they sat us. I was there with a, a buddy of mine who's a professor at Buff State. And I have this like 55-year-old Italian dude as our waiter. And I'm like, man, you know what? I always order the Bajol. What should I get? And he leans in because it's sort of packed. And, like, and it, it's so funny because it was like right out. Like, I couldn't write this shit. And I'm an English major. And he's like, <laughs> I got two words for you. Brujol fucking lasagna. Get oh. that and don't say another word. Oh. <laughs> Brujol lasagna? And they bring me out this square where one of the lasagna layers was actually Brujol inside this gigantic square of red sauce lasagna. And it was like oh. 33 bucks, and they can take my $33 every day. Yeah, that, that sounds, sounds pretty amazing. Good. <laughs> all right, all right. All the time. Okay. That sounds pretty good. And uh, But so, like, hearing the chef's thing, it's like, it's so funny because it's like the argument, like, I personally, I like for like quick, easy in out red sauce Italian. I like Santa Ceros, 
I lived on the oh, way. Yeah. I lived, oh, yeah. lived in yeah. Allentown forever, and it was my quick takeout. And I've always had decent little meatball meals there. And I'll, I'll say that to some people. And like some people are like, Santa Saros is the best. And it's like, if you walked up to my grandmother and said you like Santa Saros, she'd put the maloca on you and stab you in the back <laughs> as you walked out of the house. <laughs> hey, hey, That's that, funny. I wouldn't say Santa Saros. So I would not say Santa Saros is the best, but it's good. Yeah. It's and like, I've enjoyed my time there. Well, yeah, it's solid for what you get. You can yeah. still get Lambrusco in a, in a straw bucket with a. Right, for what you're paying and, wh- and what you're yeah. doing, like, it's good. It's it's better than Frank's on the Italy. You know, a thousand, well, oh, I got a... Guys, at the, risk, at the risk of litigating yeah. the Italian restaurant wars here in Buffalo, I think I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, yeah, we can stop. But, <laughs> listen, Roy, you've been an incredible oh, guest. you've been great. Uh, thank you so much. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back on, maybe to talk about some other stuff, local Definitely. politics in the future. Uh, but before we wrap up here, Roy... Give the folks at home, um, where can we find Cafe Godot? Well, what's the address? Uh, Cafe Godot, it's 388 Porter Avenue, uh, 14201. We're right, uh, well, almost in between uh, Juville and Kleinhands, right where the Porter Curve is, where Porter West and York all come together. Uh, it's the old Buffalo Rome spot. Um, people, they used to have the, the, the Rome thing there. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah. So you can find us there. We have a giant tree in the name. We we did do it off the after the Beckett play. Uh, you know, two guys opening a pandemic, waiting for customers. <laughs> uh, and, and, and just as and just as fucking absurd. I, I mean, it's always, I always funny. It- Every once in a while, Kevin Kevin will pull a beet or a carrot out of his apron and be like. Should we hang ourselves? I thought I really thought it would be funny if, like, when you announced Cafe Godot, is if you just never opened and you just made us wait <laughs> interminably for it. It would have been the ultimate troll move. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if I win the Mega Millions tonight, I'm going to close and hey. just keep telling people next week. <laughs> And uh, we'll send we'll send a messenger in to say yeah we're coming next week and then just never show. That would be great. But uh, I would have to win the, uh, the the mega to do that. But yeah, we're three eighty eight quarter. Um, you can find us at uh, cafegodot.com, and then on our menu you can click to take out to go to Appetite, or you can go to orderappetite.com. Um, tons of local restaurants and small local uh, wine shops and breweries, home delivery. Uh, support local, support the local delivery apps, uh, do all that stuff if you can. Absolutely. Cool. Sounds great. All right. Roy Backus, Cafe Gino. Thanks, Roy, man. You take care. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on, man, Roy. You got it.